Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. I want to share with you just a couple things on how we can affect our city. If I give this a title, it's probably got two of them. I, the title would be Three Temple Transformation. You can write that down if you want. Three Temple Transformation. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it out of the King James Version. If you get a chance, read it out of the New Living Translation. It's got some, some color. My favorite Bible uh, to read is the Amplified Bible because it gives color to those words. It's the Amplified Classic. There are a few Amplifieds out there. This one is the Amplified Classic, AMPC, if you're looking at version. It's three temple transformation, but as a subtitle, I will call it healing from overflow. Healing from overflow. Everything we give out should be from overflow. That's why it's important for us to have our daily devotions, not as a ritual, not as I pick a prayer out of the prayer box and I look, and, and while I love daily bread, it's a starter. My consumption of God should not be limited to the daily bread. It's a tease, it, it's a boost, it gets you going but I need to be in with him all day long. My favorite artist growing up and even now is a guy named Larnell Harris. He says, there he was just waiting in our old familiar place, an empty spot beside him where once I used to wait to be filled with strength and wisdom for the cares and the struggles of the day. I, I would have passed him by again, but I clearly heard him say, I miss my time with you those moments together. I need to be with you each day and it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy trying to serve me, but how can you serve me when your spirit is empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just, just a part of you. Whew. Man. It's true, I miss my time with you. That's what the, that's what the Father says. He says, I want to spend time with you so that our time together is healing and it's fulfilling. And also so that when you get to be with someone, you're giving it out based on overflow. It's flowing out. And so I want to read a passage of scripture to you from Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. I'll go through it for time's sake, just so you get the point. I pray that when you get home, you spend some time reading it yourself, spending some time soaking in it. And I want to encourage you this way. When you're reading the Bible, carry a notebook or your, your tablet or however you journal and engage in two-way journaling. Say, start off with something really good just to get the, the juices flowing. Say things like, and write it down. Say, Lord, do you love me? R write, a, write a statement like that and then engage your, all of your senses. 
God just doesn't speak to you one way. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so as you fix your eyes on Jesus, let your imagination engage. That's what happened with Abraham. God wants to talk to Abraham, and he says, lay down. I want to engage your eyes, and I want to engage your imagination. He says, look up and see all the stars. God gave him a fresh word. He says, this is what your seed is going to look like. And so when you, when you write that question, say, Lord, do you love me? And then engage. Keep looking at Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Quiet yourself. And then tune in. You're going to get the thoughts. You're going to get the pictures. Keep looking at Jesus. Don't do it while you're watching television. Lord, do you love me? Mm, I got to buy that. Mm, I didn't know that was on sale. No, 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 no. Quiet yourself down. Quiet yourself down. Tune in and ask that question. Lord, do you love me? That's the question. Lord, how do you feel about me? Hmm. And then ask him, when you read that passage, say, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? And then journal. See, sometimes our journaling time, which is good, our journaling time is limited to just us venting. Just us giving an account of our day where God has a word that he wants to say to you. You know, here's a reference scripture, Psalm 73. Here's this guy, Asaph. And Asaph says, you know, it starts off, Psalm 73, it starts off saying, my foot almost slipped. I almost lost my way because my attention got off. And I started looking at the wicked and how it seems like they were prospering and they were doing all kinds of wickedness. And it seems like it was, even though they're doing wickedness, it seems like they're getting better and better. My mind started getting a little twisted and I'm like, man, I'm supposed to be living for God. What does God know? They wear pride around their neck, like a, like a gold chain around their neck. That's how they're adorned with pride. And so he's looking at him and looking at him and looking at him. The Message Bible says, the longer I looked at him, it became too much for me, and it gave me a headache. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you're looking at something, and it's just messing you up. Problems and issues, and you're just looking at it, and you're looking at it. That's why it's important to fix your eyes on Jesus. He says, it it gave me a headache until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then my perspective changed. It's like Tommy Tenney, the writer of a book called God Chasers. He says, I was in an elevator with my little daughter. We got in the elevator and, and it was just me and her. But then after a while, people started coming into the elevator and I was okay. But my daughter, all she saw and smelled and heard was from the waist down. And so she turned to me and said, pick me up, daddy. I want to see what you see. See, that's what happens when we come into the sanctuary of God. We begin to see from God's perspective. That's why when you journal, you can't just go over what's in your mind and in your heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus and tune in and then allow him to speak back to you. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Wave at me if this is making sense. Is it making sense so far? 
So that's your, that's your posture when you read Ezekiel 47. You quiet yourself down. You fix your eyes on Jesus. You tune in to those, those spontaneous thoughts and images and pictures that will come. He'll fill your heart with all of you. And then you write it down. Uh, just to make sure you've got some guardrails, take your journal and trust somebody who loves you, someone who's bigger than you, and someone who themselves, they want to hear God's voice and say to them, hey, can you judge this? I think this is God. It's important. We need to have people in our life. No matter how big you are, you need to have somebody in your life that's bigger than you can't measure yourself by yourself. Because you may hear that God's mad at you and judgment's coming to you and, and all of this horrible stuff and you're like, oh, and it brings fear and torment. You need somebody in your life that says, yes, God wants to correct you, but he loves you. Everything flows from love. You need to have people in your life that can judge some of this stuff. You can judge some of this stuff. If we do it that way, we won't be leaving our husbands and our wives for other men and women. If we have people in our lives. But that takes humility. That takes humility. All right, let's read this real quick so I don't get in trouble. In my vision... I'm about to read the New Living Translation. Let me go to King James. Uh, so this is the first verse. This is the first verse. Here we go. I'll read it with you. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple... And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. There was water flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He bought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. That's 1,750 feet. And he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he bought me and returned me to the bank of the river. He went all the way back and he started again. And when I returned there, along the bank of the river were, were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region. It goes down into the valley and enters the sea. It's actually talking about the Dead Sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there. They will be healed, for they will be healed. 
and everything will live wherever the river goes. Oh, man, are you getting this? It shall be that fishermen will stand by it. From Engedi to Engalim, there will be places for spreading their nets, their fish of same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given, out, given over to salt along the bank of the river. On this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because the water flows from the sanctuary. The fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Wow, wow, wow. You see the picture there? So you got a temple now. And imagine, in the temple, the water is rising up. Let's call that water the very spirit of God. It's rising up. But it doesn't stay here. It goes under the doorposts, and now it goes out into the street. And so he's saying, go with me. And he starts measuring. And the further he goes out, the higher the water goes. First starting at the ankles, goes 1,750 feet, measured again, now it's at the knees. Goes 1,750 again, uh, 50 feet, and again he measured it, and now it's at the waist. Another 1,750 feet, and here it is up here. Can't walk through it anymore. Now you gotta swim. So this river is flowing. And where is it going? Is it coming back into the temple? No. It flows into the Dead Sea. And there it makes everything alive. But I will submit to you that we're not just talking about this temple. We're talking about the temple that's here, and it's an important temple. We gather here, we get instruction, we get fellowship, we get built up, we remind ourselves about God, we've got worship going on, we all together come to the altar, come to the holy mountain of God. And the altar is not one that's meant for blessing. The altar is one that's meant for sacrifice. And too often we run to the altar for a blessing. We stay at the altar because that's where my will becomes his will. My perspective is turned to his perspective. Like the singer back in the 80s, John Starnes, he sings that wonderful song. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sometimes we're looking at everything other than him. And the altar, the altar causes me to now silence my flesh. Silence those voices. That's why it's important to fast. You should be fasting. It should be part of your daily diet. If you're giving out of overflow, then your daily diet should be fasting. 
How many times a week do you say, I'm going to skip a meal so that I can silence my flesh? Paul said, Paul said, I beat my flesh. King James Version says, I, bu- I buffet my flesh. Sometimes we get that word wrong because it's sort of spelled the same way. Instead of buffing it, we buffet it. You know, we just take care of it. We're in the sun. It's like... No, he says, I, I, I beat my flesh because I don't need to be obeying my thirst. Feels like it do it. No. Feels like it say it. No. A few years ago during the pandemic, we... We decided to go in a different way where fasting was concerned, continue with the food, but we also added in a CGA fast. And the CGA fast is where we fast complaining, gossip, and accusation. What happens when you fast that? So, oh man, Pastor, I probably not say nothing because I do a little. Mm. But remember, in fasting, you're not just supposed to stop, you're supposed to replace. So you replace the food when you're fasting with the Word of God, with time in prayer, getting my perspective shifted. On the CGA fast, you're not just fasting gossip and complaining, and, which by the way, complaining is food for the demonic. I just, I'm going to pause, I'm going to have a one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, just five seconds to let you think about that for a minute. What do you say? Anytime you're complaining, you are bringing in spiritual wickedness. They just sort of show up. You ever have anybody in your family like that? You say there's going to be a barbecue and all. They, they weren't even invited. They just show up. Where'd you come from? I saw it with a beer commercial once. A beer commercial. The guy was at the refrigerator and he popped the can. And all of a sudden his friends were just there. He's like, man, where'd you come from? That's how complaining is. It's food for the demonic. So we fast gossip and the brother. What's gossip, the term for gossip? I'm not part of the problem or the solution, but I'm talking about it. And slander is I'm talking about someone with the intent to injure them. I'm going to injure their reputation, injure their character, injure their name. And so we fast. We fast. Gossip, complaining. Complaining, gossip, and accusation. Accusation, as you know, that's part of the resume of the devil. He is called the accuser. So you don't want to accuse. But don't just stop. Replace. And replacement says, replacement says, I, I want to bless them. I want to honor them. That's why I love the, I love the climate in this house. I walk in this place and I can feel it's a culture of honor. Culture of honor. It's beautiful. Here I am, some, I'm just a young guy. I'm a young guy. Bishop and I were at a meeting once and he said afterwards, he says, he says, son, can you, can you give me a lift back to the church? And man, I was so, I'm like, what? Absolutely. He thinks I'm blessing him by driving him back up here from Center City. But I got to hear his story about being a kid in a Sunday school and his pastor taking time to talk with him and put him in charge of things as a little kid. And here we are years, decades upon decades, scores of years later. 
and how that same gift of God is flowing in his life. He, I, he thought I was given to him. He was given to me. But that's the culture of honor. He says, bless, bless, bless. Let's pause for another interactive time. Look at somebody and say, I bless you. I appreciate you. And if you're sitting next to a family member, take a little bit more time because that's where the enemy tries to get in, in family. You may have had an argument this morning. This is a good moment. Get the juices going, man. Get the juices going. So you bless, you encourage. So anyway, so, so this is a beautiful temple. It gets filled with the Spirit of God. It's high in here. So high. I was listening to them sing earlier. He who begun a good work in you. Oh, man. They started playing that. Man, Pam started singing next to me. And we, man, took that thing back to them years where Don mowing. And it's like, whoa, you'll be faithful to complete it. What if you blessed the person next to you with that? He's faithful to complete what he started in you. Ooh. <laughs> He's trying to get me to go. He who began a good work in you. Yeah. He who began a good work in you. Now get ready. This is a big finish. This is a big finish. He'll be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it. Hey, touch them. Touch them on their shoulder. Touch them on their shoulder. He who started a work will be faithful to complete it in you. Let's do it one more time. Pick it up. Pick it up a little. He who. a good work in you. Oh, man, you are, you are playing that piano, brother. He who begun a good work in you. Now remember, touch them again. It's not about you, it's about them. He'll be faithful to complete it. Oh, yeah. He'll be faithful to complete it. Oh, he started a work will be faithful to complete it in you he who started a work he who started a work last time he who started a work will be faithful to complete it in you give God glory for the person next to you right so so this is a good temple and, the, and what happens in here should get out of here. It ought to flow through the community all around. I, I love Doug Tunney. Doug Tunney and his team, they take those, they, they go around to places that are dark and everything that's been filled up in them, they go and bless. That's the river coming out of here. That's the river. That's the river that comes out of here, man. One of my favorite, had become one of my favorite books, is a book by a guy named Richard Stearns. 
And he wrote a book called The Hole in Our Gospel. And the picture of the book is a Bible with a hole. And you see all the pages and words that have been cut because there's a hole in it. What does it represent? It represents that God is for me, but after me it stops. So it's a, it's a hole in my gospel. Jesus put it this way. He says, God is on me. I'm paraphrasing out of Luke chapter 4, around verse 18. Prior to that, he got baptized like Pastor Bob was saying earlier. We follow Jesus' example and gets baptized by John. He comes out of the water and then the heavens open and the Spirit of God rests on him. He says, this is my son whom I'm pleased. Most of the time we stop right there. God, God spoke to me. Jesus, I love you. Walter Hawkins, 1984, you're a friend of mine. You supply my every need. Oh, God is so good. My hungry soul you feed. I'm aware you are my source from which all blessings flow. And with this thought in mind, oh, I know just where, where to go. It stops right there, though. It stops right there. God, you love me. I love you. Like the guy who says, God bless me and my wife, my son and his wife, us four and no more. Huh. Us four and no more. So Jesus comes out of the, out of the river. Spirit of the Lord is on him. Goes into the wilderness, shows what it's like when you're tested to forget who God called you to be. That's what the wilderness is all about. How do you know? Every time the devil spoke, he says, if you be the son of God. He's trying to rob you of your identity. Do you know who you are? Or as that great prophet Mufasa said to Simba, remember who you are. The enemy's plan was for Jesus to forget the fresh word that the father gave. This is my beloved son. But then it says, he went into his hometown full of the spirit. Oh man, just full. I try to keep a practice and, and I want to get better and better and better at it. But all throughout the day, Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me, fill my heart, fill my eyes, my ears, my imagination, my emotions. Try this one on. Holy Spirit, fill my urges so that my urges are approved by Jesus. That's a good mood to be in. Can you walk in the house with a mood that Jesus approved of? Or you walking in the house with a bad mood and now everybody's like, oh, stay away from dad, stay away from mom. Why? They're in a bad mood. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, Jesus walked into the, temple, the, the city filled with the Spirit. 
Then he walked into the temple, and when he walked into the temple, they had readings going on. The attendant gave it to him, and he says, he found the place where it was written. And so if it was today, Jesus would have looked and scrolled back and found Isaiah 61 where it says, the spirit of the living God is upon me. But then unlike, unlike, dear Jesus, I love you. You're a friend of mine. You supply my every need, my hungry soul you feed. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised. My wife taught a message. It says God was concerned not just about the captives, this is set to captives free, not just the captives, but also the prisoners. I sat and listened to her preach that thing. I'm like, ooh, because sometimes we're okay taking care of those who have been held captive, but we don't go after helping the prisoners. We leave that to the prison ministry at the church. But Jesus said, this is the reason. And, to, and to, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. And I love the way Jesus did it because Jesus wasn't preaching like this. There are times when he did. There are times when he went into the temple and he stood up in the middle of it and he says, whoever is thirsty, come to me. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He was talking about the Spirit. But this time he closed the book and he sat down and he started to say, and he started with this. He didn't get to finish it because they got mad at him and tried to push him off a cliff. But because he was filled, the Holy Spirit, you know, Holy Spirit led him through. And he just, he just moved in the midst of them. But he started to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. A good title for this would have been, Are You Anointed? <laughs> and if you are, are you anointed just to sing? Just to play? Just to preach? Just to write? Just to dance, I can't dance. I'm just letting you know, so don't get messed up when you see me moving. But just to dance, is that it? Are you limited to that? Is he limited to that? No, the Spirit of God is upon you because he has anointed you for the blind, the poor, the brokenhearted, the bruised, the captive, and the prisoners, and those looking for transformation. And that's why if we are in this temple and the river is rising up, it needs to go out into those areas and the dead become alive. If you go into Kensington, you'll see the dead are walking the streets, man. If you go into West Philadelphia, you'll see there's dead in there. There's dead in North Philadelphia. There's dead in Germantown. Thank God for the churches, including New Covenant, that are here because there's death all around. But we don't have to wag our heads because we're bringing God here. If this is delivered right, it'll be like Jesus. He says up until this point, it's been all the prophetic words that have been spoken. But now, with this message of the kingdom, he says, since then the kingdom is being preached and everybody is trying to force their way into the kingdom. Hmm. 
Well, how come they're not? Because we're not bringing God's goodness to people. Sometimes we go to people and all we're doing is wagging our finger and bringing shame. When the culture of heaven, everyone is significant. Even your neighbor, even the government official, even the drug dealer, even the murderer. I don't know, Pastor, you got a biblical reference for that? Absolutely. The guy who represented murder wrote three-fourths of the New Testament that you read. So God took somebody like Paul, who were dragging people out in the streets and killing them, Christians in fact, and he changed Saul to Paul, gave him a new identity, and he went after the Gentiles. So this is a temple. But there's another temple, and that's the temple that you live in. And I want to encourage you to go today, 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 today. Make a note. Go today in your house. Open up the windows. Open up the doors. And say, Holy Spirit, come and fill. Come and fill. Fill upstairs, downstairs, living room, family room, basement, kitchen, bathroom, the other bathroom, the lampshades, the bedroom. Holy Spirit, come in and fill. And keep the door open. Make it easy on the Holy Spirit. You know, it says something that the temple, the doors were closed. And the the waters had to go under the doorposts. Let's open the doors so that everything that's happening on the inside of the house can flow into the streets. Do you have dead people on the streets? They may be moving and breathing, but what do their spirits look like? Do they have hope? It's a definition of hope. I'm going to give you a quick definition of hope. You can write it down. It is the confident expectation of God's goodness coming. That's hope. That's hope. The writer says in the book of Psalms, he says, I would have fainted had not I believed to see the goodness of God, the goodness of God coming. Come on. Hope in God. Hope in God. So, So open the doors. Keep your house filled with the Spirit of God. And then let it run out into the streets so that you know your neighbor's names, not just the nice ones. Jesus went to the woman at the well. Jesus talked to the woman that's caught in the act of adultery. Jesus talked to the guy that got put out of the city because he was out of control. Jesus went to the very cave where he was, and he says, It's called the gates of Hades. He said, who do people say that I am? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you didn't get that through your flesh and blood. Spirit of God gave you that revelation. And he says, and I'm declaring here today. All you need is two or three gathered in my name, and I don't even have to physically be there. Two or three gathered in my name, and the emperor shows up. He went to that guy freed him up, and the guy said, Jesus, I want to go with you everywhere you go. He says, no, you go home. In a few minutes, I'm going to commission you to go home. 
He says, go back to your hometown. In a few minutes, I'm going to commission you to go back to your neighborhood or your job or the organization you represent or when you go to the football stadium. Wherever you go, go to the gymnasium, find other Christians that are there and begin to release God. First temple here, second temple, the house you live on. The third temple is you. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so you want to stay filled. Stay filled. Stay filled. Stay filled. At PGM, our, our initiatives are revival and harvest and transformation. And we had some things on revival this past year. We, we gathered thousands at the Philadelphia Convention Center. Believers all over. It's a reset. And the reset on Pentecost Sunday, May 28th, was to pray prayers of repentance. People run away from repentance. You don't have to be afraid of repentance. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It's wonderful. And so we prayed we pray prayers of repentance. We prayed prayers and together into the unity of the body of Christ. Because it shouldn't be one person, it shouldn't be one church. It shouldn't be one Christian organization. We're the body of Christ. It should be the church, as our friend Mark Navales, him and his wife Wanda, they lead City Reach Church, and they just got finished gathering almost 2,000 teenagers and young adults over at the Met Philly. Last year it was in Lear Core Center that made decisions for God. Mark says this, is, this isn't, just, isn't just Philadelphia. It's not just churches in Philadelphia. It is the one church in Philadelphia. And so it's revival. The second of our initiatives is harvest. And harvest is where we lead people to a place where they're always thinking about, Lord, do they know you? Give me a creative way to either plant or water. That's why everywhere I go, I talk to people. I've never seen so many Christians that don't like making eye contact. Make eye contact. When you're in the supermarket, say hi. If you're riding the subway, say hi. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, you got some crazy people out there. There are crazy people out there, but the Spirit of God is in here. And so say hi to people. Here's another interactive movement. Look at the person behind you and say hi. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Say hi. Say hi. Just look for a moment because you got the person that's looking, so you get it. All right, so look, so we got three temples. We got this temple, we got the temple we live on, we got the temple that we live in and that lives in us. We push revival, harvest. We want the name of Jesus to be more popular than soft pretzels and cheesesteaks, than the Phillies and the Sixers and the Philadelphia Eagles. We want the name of Jesus to be more popular than University of Penn and Drexel University and Villanova University and Cheney and LaSalle. It's nothing wrong with any of those things, but of his kingdom there shall be no end. So we got to find ways to make the name of Jesus, and that comes through harvest. We gather 300 leaders all throughout the city of Philadelphia in the morning and in the evening with young people at the Hilton, Philadelphia Hilton, Sealand Avenue, and we used people that were in the body of Christ to help show what harvest looks like, because there's so many different ways to lead people to Jesus. I'm not talking about different ways of getting to God. There is one way to God. 
But there are a lot of ways to get people's attention. Paul put it this way. I became all to all men so that I could win them. And so revival and harvest. And the last thing that I'll share with you has to do with transformation. And that's really what this river is about. See, transformation, we're, 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 we're comfortable hearing about revival. We're comfortable hearing about, hearing about harvest, leading people to Jesus. But we haven't been so comfortable hearing about transformation. What is transformation? It's going to the broken areas of our city. And it's bringing light. It's, it's trying to bring balance. Where educational systems in the suburbs, there's no access to that kind of good education in the inner city. Same thing with healthy food. There's food insecurities. Pastor Bob sent me something one, one Sunday morning about the, the, the food security issue. And all they have access is to fast foods. But then that ultimately begins to affect weight and then weight begins to affect diabetes, high blood pressure, prostate cancer, colon cancer. There's not good education, there's not good medical, there's not good food. So it's like the story of the Good Samaritan, where you got the priest and the Levite. So the priest, here's a guy that's gotten beat up, left for dead, beat, left for dead. There he is crying, screaming, help! My mom and dad used to buy us albums. And we'd listen to records in the living room on the floor. Back in those days, if crazy stuff got on the television, one of us, I'm the youngest of five, we would be responsible to get up and go and change the channel. And we knew the drill. Oh, there's a cigarette commercial. Get up, change the channel. Uh, some crazy music going on, you get up, you turn the volume down, you wait till that commercial is over, and then you turn the volume back up, and then you go and sit down and watch television with everybody else. My mom and dad, they let us hear things like uh, unshackled. Anybody remember unshackled back in the day? People whose lives have been transformed. So here we are, I'm listening, and they bought us these stories. And so I'm laying there as a little boy listening to the story of the Good Samaritan. This man gets beat up, robbed, beat, left for dead. And there he is, crying, help! Somebody help! The priest comes out. He said, what's that? What, what? What's going on over there? The man said, help! He said, oh, no, oh, no. And you can hear his voice silencing as he goes away. He said, no, I got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He runs away. Then the assistant to the priest comes out. The assistant comes out and looks. The man still crying, help me, help me. And he listens and he said, oh, oh what's that? What's going on? He said, oh, no, I got to go. So I'll try and send somebody for you outside. But then he says, this despised Samaritan, he comes and he does something that the other two representing God did not do. He looks, but he looks long enough. And then he listens, and he listens long enough until where now compassion rises up in his heart until he does something. Revival is good. Harvest is good. Transformation calls us to do something. It has to be movement. And so one of the things that happened, we decided that, you know, under our new vision, we are going to develop hope centers in the most adverse, underserved areas of the city of Philadelphia and go to the darkest area. And at the time, we didn't have 
a center. But there's an organization that was located at 2nd and Tioga, and they had 12 properties. We found out about it by one of our wonderful brothers. His name is Dr. Bill Crispin. He's an amazing gift to the city of Philadelphia and has been for decades. He said, there's some buildings over there, and you might be able for this Hope Center to use one of these properties. So we called them. And it worked out. We were able to have conversations, and we were going to rent the building. <coughs> Excuse me. We were going to rent the building. And they came in, and everything was getting worked out. They were going to be primary. We were going to be secondary. They're going to use it for the things that they were using it for, and then we get a chance to come in and do but then the longer they heard the vision, they, uh, they met with us in November of 2022. And they said, um, yeah, the building that you want to lease, we've made a change. We don't want to rent it to you. He said, we, uh, we want to give it to you. We're located in, we're located in Indiana, Ohio. And we feel like you could take that vision and all who you're connected with, um, you could take that vision further. So we want to give you this building. On that street, there is a church building, there is a community center, there's another center, and there are five more houses, totaling 11. And they said, not only do we want to give you that building, we want to give you the entire block. And so the goal is, the goal is that hope would rise up out of all of those properties and it would go down the streets. And one of these homes has been a good model because it is completely renovated. I mean, it is so beautiful in there. So what's the goal? The goal is that now, the hope that's in there, we don't want people to come here for hope. We want to make sure down Tioga and down A Street and down Ellis Street and all the surrounding streets that now every home is now being revitalized. We want to see that entire community revitalized with the gospel of revival, harvest of people coming to Jesus, and transformation where they have access to good food, good education, good housing. And so it's going to be an oasis of hope, light shining in a dark place. And our desire is that you pray for us. Pray that this happens in this community and that we partner with others that are in other communities, other believers doing things all over. PGM is not the only game in town because the body of Christ is a body. One of our first things that we've done is collaborate with a a wonderful brother, his name is Vito Baldini, and he leads an organization called Small Things. And they have given out annually over 8 million pounds of food. And so now one of the properties, Vito is going to use that to start a food market where fresh food can be available for everyone in that community. This is the picture. It's got to be revival. It's got to be harvest, but it's got to be transformation. And as I close, I say to you, I say to you, what's flowing out of your temple? What's flowing out? 
that's falling out. Because God can use you on your job. God can use you on your street. God can use you on your in your neighborhood. And it doesn't just have to be the broken streets. It could be everywhere. Who's going to reach the CEO? Who's going to reach him? Who's going to reach the president of the organization? Who's going to reach them? Who's going to reach the sports stars, men or women? Who's going to reach them? Who's going to reach the head and the professors and the doctors of these schools of academia? Who's going to reach them? But then who's going to reach the drug dealer? Who's going to reach the ones that are affected by the drugs? Who's going to reach that little kid whose mom died? And he has a bad perspective of what God looks like. Who's going to reach them? And so if you're one of those individuals, you want the river of God to run out of the three temples that you have access to, I want you to stand to your feet. If you're that individual and you want the river of God to flow out of you into the street that you live on, into your family and your extended family, I want you to stand. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to call you to the altar. But from where you stand, I want you to make a declaration. Make a declaration that exists in the hearts of Pastor Bob, who's changing lives in business, changing lives in the kingdom. The same spirit of God that flows through Bishop, same spirit that flowed through a little boy and then a, and then a teenager and then a man with him and his wife and, and even as they partnered down the street from where I live. Abraham and Eve Fenton with Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. And even as she's gone home to be with her Lord, the son, Aubrey. See, this all starts. It all starts in the hearts of these young people. But it's you too. What's your story? What's your story? What happened when God met you? What happened? Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember what he said? Did he say I was going to make an ambassador to you, make you an ambassador to all nations? Did he say that to you? If he didn't say it to you directly, you can see it in Scripture. I want you to hold your hands out. As I release over you the very grace of God to flow over your mind, your will, your emotions, I release over you the very power of of God to fill you so that you say what Jesus says, so that you go home and open the doors to your temple as you live out the Holy Spirit being in your eyes, your ears, your emotions, your imagination, your will, your will, your will. And the only thing that I would ask you to do is say, yes, yes, yes. So, so take my, my mind and mold it. Take my heart and form it. Take my will. Conforming to your 
my mind. Take my mind. Transform it. Transform. Take my heart. Conform it. Take my will. My will. And for me to yours, to yours, to yours, to yours, oh Lord. Hold your right hand up. Say, Father God, today I declare that Jesus Christ is still the Lord of my life. This is also for those of you that are watching by live stream. Hold your hand up high and say, Father God, my attitude. My disposition is yours. Father God, my body is yours. My urges belong to you. Jesus Christ is still raised up from the dead. And today I still declare that he is the Lord of my life. I am yours to move in revival to lead others to Jesus. And Father, use me to transform the broken areas in our city. In Jesus' name, in partnership with the rest of the body of Christ. And now, I give you praise, I give you glory, I give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and love our great God. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.